Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, it's half past seven, so uh, welcome to the Performance and Audit Committee meeting. Um, the reason I'm speaking into the microphone is that this um, meeting is being recorded, um, and I think possibly that means we're going to be slightly more formal today, whereas I normally prefer to use first names. I think for the purposes of anyone listening into this, I think it's probably best if we identify each other by, by, by name in full. So apologies for the slight slightly more formal approach to the meeting. Anyway, can we deal first of all with um, apologies for absence and declarations of interest? Um, I've had apologies from Derek Jones, Councillor Derek Jones and Councillor Andrew Kettridge. And for the purposes um, of recording who's here, um, shall I just run through who I think is here at the moment and please yell out if I've missed anybody. Um, Rebecca Dobson is uh, our Democratic Services Officer tonight. Um, John Mitchell, the leader, uh, the Chief Executive of Uttlesford, is here. Other officers in attendance are Mr. Richard Orty, Mrs. Sheila Bronson, Mr. Adrian Webb, and Ms. Angela Knight. We have a number of councillors here uh, Councillor Alan Dean, uh, Councillor Edward Oliver, Councillor Robert Chambers, who's the Cabinet Member for Finance, Councillor Parry. Councillor Marie Fenton, Councillor Keith Artis, Councillor David Sadler, uh, and Councillor Keith Eden, and I am the Chairman, Councillor Simon Howell. Good. Were there any other apologies or any declarations of interest? No, in which case we'll move on to item two, which are the minutes of the meeting held on the 22nd of January 2014, sorry, July 2014. These have been circulated in advance of the meeting to all members. Um, I do have one factual correction I need to make, but with that correction, and that is on page 3, under PA 17, the final item, it says the, the committee noted the report. I think, in fact, we actually re approved that report, so I propose to make a manual amendment of that and initial it, which I'm doing it. Uh, were there any other comments or corrections, factual items on the minutes? If not, may I sign these as a true record? Yes. Thank you very much. And may I say, as always, they are stellar minutes. Well done. Uh, joining the meeting uh, is Debbie Hansen, who is the uh, external auditor from Ernst & Young. Your timing is immaculate because we're just going through the minutes of the meeting on the 22nd of July. We'll deal with matters of arising and then we'll talk about the audit results for the year to 31st of March. Should we then deal with matters arising for the last meeting? PA 15. Chairman, Alan, you have a hand? Not, to, not yet. Not yet. And, <laughs> and for the purposes of noting who's joined the meeting as well, uh, Mrs. Wardle, who is also from Ernst & Young, has joined the meeting. Um, PA 16. Yes, Chairman, if I can. Um, 
Councillor Eden raised something about interest rates. In front of you is a paper um, on interest rates, rise and cost to the council, uh, which I'm sure you can read at your leisure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Noted. Uh, PA 17. On, on PA 17, Mr Chairman, I noticed that at the last meeting, uh, Councillor Eden raised a number of points regarding uh, car parking. I don't want to go into any of that detail at all, but just to uh, say that I understand that there are not at the present time any performance measures relating to car parking, the parking partnership or whatever um, and I wonder if uh, somebody can say whether there is an intention to establish some performance measures uh, and, and how that will be gone about please Mr Webb do you um well, one of the officers is probably better placed than me to answer that. Thank you, Chairman. Um, we've had no specific request to monitor uh, parking performance at district council level, although I believe that um, performance information would go to the uh, Parking Partnership Board, um, which I believe Councillor Barker sits on on behalf of the district council. I suppose it is of interest. You're absolutely right to raise the point. Well, it, it does seem to me that although this work is carried out now by a partnership, in a way, to some extent, that makes it more important that we have our finger on what they are doing on our behalf, and I'm not coming up with any measures off the, off the top of my head, but I, I think it needs to be given some thought before, um, well, in the next month or two or whenever... Uh, officers are going to visit the par parking partnership to find out how it works um, and they might come back with some ideas. Can I bring in Councillor Oliver? Right, Oliver first? Thank you, Chairman. If one turns to page 53 of the accounts of Uttlesford, uh, one will see the parking partnership accounts for 2013. 2013-14 and also 2012-13 there was a so-called profit in both years 7,000 in 12-13 161 in 13-14 but that is after member, that is actually after the contributions made by the various councils who are party to this organisation Contribution from, the, from our council was 145,000 in 12-13 and 148 in 13-14. So, in fact, we get no real benefit from this at all. We are actually this is costing us a considerable amount of money. I did actually raise this in the previous some time ago, and it has now been taken up by the scrutiny committee to examine and to look at. So it's been dealt with to that end. Can I just add that obviously that's relating to the um, financial aspects of the service, but I'm, I guess I'm more concerned about the service that the public receives and uh, whether that matches up to what we're expecting. Councillor Eden, thank you. Uh, thank you, Chairman. <coughs> uh, 
I think there's really two aspects to this. I think, first of all, we, we should be monitoring this because this is a, uh, it's, it's a financial issue, but it's also actually quite a significant issue to the public. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and car parks is a way that you sort of get measured because it's pretty obvious what, what's happening. So I think that would suggest we need to ask Councillor Barker to provide us uh, with um, information on a, on a regular basis. I, I think the second is the more concerning one, which is the attitude of the NEPP, which is not a matter for this group to discuss, but there are technologies that they use that often don't work. You know, so, so that, that this will cause enormous frustration, certainly in Saffron Water when Waitrose car park closes. I mean, we, we're just heading for a difficulty, which I think it would be appropriate for us to start to look at, because we will certainly be seeing, uh, like, column inches in the local paper in, in the very near future about people who couldn't park, or if they could, they couldn't find the machine to pay. And while they went to find another machine, they got a ticket, and all that stuff. So it's, yeah. Well, I, I've heard the comments around the, the, the table. If there are other comments, if councillors wish to speak, can they indicate? Uh, otherwise, can I suggest that officers have heard the remarks? It is appropriate, I think, for them to consider whether there is a performance condition that, or, uh, that we should be including within our KPIs, or not necessarily in our KPIs, but within the performance indicators. I think so far as the workings of the, the parking partnership are concerned, this is perhaps more of an issue for the scrutiny committee. And I'm very much of the view that it's not for this committee to call for um, councillors and cabinet members to present to us unless there's a specific performance issue that we've identified. But nevertheless, I recognise the councillor Dean's comment that we don't appear as a council to have some any direct oversight of the parking partnership and its workings and it might be a suggestion to the scrutiny committee that they'd like to look at the workings of the parking partnership and that's perhaps a better venue for that to be considered at this meeting. Shall we move on? PA 18. Mr Webb. Just again, top of page five, there was a question raised about the pension fund and the way it was shown, and in front of you as well is a, is a paper on that for you to review at your leisure. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Noted. Okay. Councillor Dean. Yeah, can I, can I just say, Mr Chairman, again, um, butting across the table with uh, Councillor Eden, I'm, I'm pleased that this meeting I wasn't present, but I'm pleased that he brought up the some questions about the, um, to quote the minutes, the substantial reserves that the um, council holds. Um, I don't want to discuss that now, but I would like to come back to that subject when we get on to the, uh, the, the counts, which I think is probably a, a useful time to come up with some thoughts on the matter. Fine. Thank I'm you. Happy to note that. I would observe that we debated this item at considerable length at the last meeting and you will know that you did not attend that meeting and that might have perhaps been a better occasion for us to have had the debate on one occasion rather than have it twice. Moving on to PA 19, PA 20, PA 21, PA 22. And that deals with matters arising. And item 4 is the audit results for the year ended 31st of March 2014 and can I invite Debbie Hanson and Joe Wardle to speak to this. Thank you Chair. Um, as the committee will be aware this is the report that we're required to um, present to you before we issue our opinion on the financial statements under the auditing standards. 
Um, if I can take you through probably just a few key items within the report. First of all, if I can refer you to the executive summary, which is on page 11, using the page numbering from the committee pack system. Um, we've noted here the position on our audit as at the date of drafting the report, the 18th of September. We're very pleased to report that all of the work on the audit has now been completed, and after this meeting, subject to the approval of the accounts and the letter of representation and the signing of the accounts, etc., we plan to issue our audit opinion and certificates. Um, in relation to our opinion on the financial statements, our opinion will be unqualified. Um, we have noted in the report that there was a couple of amendments made to the accounts as a result of the audit or during the course of the audit, and I'll take you through those in a little bit more detail in a moment. Um, in relation to value for money conclusion, we'll be issuing an unqualified conclusion, and we have literally just completed our work on the whole of government accounts and submitted that, so we're in a position to issue our certificate on the audit as well, which basically says that our statutory duties have been discharged um, and we can close the audit. Um, so I think a very positive picture. We're very pleased to be in the position of achieving that before the deadline of the 30th September and like to express our thanks to the finance team for their assistance in getting us that position. Um, if I can then just take you through um, a couple of issues within items within the report. Again, referring you first of all to page 13. On this page, we've set out the significant risks which we identified in our audit plan. The risks that we identified for Uttlesford are the same risks that we identified in all of our district councils this year, which were namely around the changes in um, arrangements for national non-domestic rates. So that was the localisation of business rates, which had an impact on how those figures actually sit in your account. So there were some accounting changes that had to go on in the year. And then the, probably the major change was the fact that local councils became responsible um, or liable for the um, appeals in relation to rating valuations. So for the first time, you had to actually estimate a provision for those appeals, which was quite a challenging process because you don't directly manage that process as a council. You're reliant on the, um, the um, valuation office. And also, it was, it was a new provision that had to be calculated the first time. So you'd got no previous year data to base it on. You had to gather information about appeals lodged, um, likely appeals, likely settlement values, etc. And some of them can take a very long time to come to fruition. So quite a challenging area. Um, in relation to that work, we, the, we did result in an amendment to the accounts as a result of that. And I'll take you through those. Um, basically, what we did was we identified a number of appeals that had been settled after the production of the accounts. Um, we looked at those appeals uh, along with the officers um, and they went back to the actual management experts that had been engaged to do that work and as a result of that they determined that they should actually revisit the estimates for the um, appeals provisions for some of the other properties because they were very similar in nature and therefore the appeals that had been settled gave you an indication that actually the provision you'd initially included may not have been sufficient. So the accounts were amended as a result of that. The other adjustment that was made in relation to the appeals was in relation to an estimate for possible appeals that you might receive in relation to rating values for some of your major properties going back a number of years. As a result of that, there was um, roughly a five million increase in the provision in the accounts. Um, the Usselsford share is only 40% of that, um, but it was obviously a fairly material adjustment. As I said, it was quite a complicated area. Um, it is something that we've done a lot of work on in, in our councils, um, and I think there was a lot of work done um, to actually come up with the figure in the accounts, but obviously what we looked at was additional information which had come to light after the draft accounts were produced. Yes, you're very welcome. Please do, yes. Thanks, David. Um, I suppose, one, obviously, it's a huge number in terms of the increase in the size of the provision. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, £5 million is, is, to us, a substantial sum of money. My, my curiosity was about um, 
how you put a, a risk factor around that five million and should we consider mitigation in the sense of some kind of insurance about it? I mean, clearly there's risk can always be uh, insured again. So, I mean, if we're, if we're taking a £5 million risk on an area that we actually don't have years of experience, should, should we consider saying, well, actually for, I don't know, £300,000, you could take insurance that would mitigate that entire £5 million? Uh, and it's really... It's, it's, Given the size of it, is that the sort of issue we should consider? Because if we were a small enterprise and that was the increase in risk we had, we probably would seek mitigation of it because the cost of the five million is so high. I mean, it would affect our, our ability to manage our current uh, policy on rate increases and so forth. I mean, it's a huge sum. So I'm just curious as, as, and, and how you judge when that mitigation decision might be appropriate if it's not now. I, I don't think I'm in a position to answer the insurance question. I think that would be one for your, for your officers to answer. Um, and I'm trying to remember what the first part of the question was now. I mean, I, I think in relation to the uncertainty, the, the issues that you probably have in this area is, is Stansted, um, and that's a, a, a big area for you. So the councils that we've got that have got power stations, for example, or airports, um, there's a much greater degree of risk potentially around the, the NNDR provision. The actual adjustment that we had here was in relation to the hotels around the airports, or a part of the adjustment was that there was also some in relation to some other areas, but one of the main areas was in relation to the hotels, um, where there was basically a, um, an appeal that one was, one was settled that therefore indicated that the other appeals, the other hotels in the area may therefore to be settled at a, a, um, a lower value. Um, what I would stress um, is that the, I think the council acted perfectly reasonably um, in the approach that it took. There's no actual impact on your CIES from this. It flows through the collection fund. Um, so you're not actually taking a bottom line hit on your general fund in relation to this particular area. So I think that might be part of the answer in terms of the insurance, that it's not actually an impact that feeds through into your, your um, um, CIES and your bottom line reserves. Yeah. Uh, so, so if this goes wrong, the chief executive just writes a letter of apology to somebody. Is that I mean, if we lose this five million... We're saying it has no impact on us. No. We are just custodians of it flowing through. So therefore, we've lost it. So we say to somebody, awfully sorry, it's gone. I, I don't think it's the chief executive because you haven't lost it. As I said, it's, it's, not, uh, something uh, you, it's not something you control. <laughs> um, it's, it is the, the, the process that operates is that rateable values are set by the, the VO. Um, businesses have the right to appeal against those rateable values and you have to account for the results of those. Can, there is also a, a full safety net system within local governments, um, which is basically designed to sort of mitigate some of these factors in terms of the volatility around business rates income, which councils um, are obviously exposed to. Um, so I think it is something that you have to account for. It's not necessarily something you can manage and control. You have to just recognise the impacts within your financial statements. Can I make an observation, which is I, I, I'm presuming that, as you rightly say, this is somewhat new for this council and all councils. So my assumption is that when we're unclear of the outcome and the scale, the, the potential downside is as significant as it is, then we'd be prudent and it's appropriate to preserve as prudent, prudently as we possibly can. Would you describe the approach we've taken as being a suitably prudent approach? I think the Council adopted an appropriate approach. You ex employed some management experts um, to assist you in identifying um, the potential appeals and the potential um, 
value of those appeals in effect. Um, as I said, there was a, a slight omission in terms of not considering future appeals in relation to previous rating values. So you've already recognised in effect the, the income in the collection funds, um, but what you haven't necessarily recognised is um, the, the risk around some of that income being repayable in effect um, if the appeal is successful. That was the only element really that was missing, as we said. There was then the subsequent settlement and the process that we asked the Council then to go through was to consider the impact of that on the provisions that had already been calculated in relation to similar properties. Um, so I think the process that was adopted was robust. It's a moving feast. We could look at it in another month and change the figure again because there'd be more settlements. You, you make the provision based on the best information you have at that point in time, and I think that's what the Council did. What we did is when we were doing the audits a month later, there was more information on which to reassess that provision and determine how reasonable it was. Thank you. Can I bring in Council Oliver? Thank you, Chairman. So what, what you're really saying is that where, for instance, we've sent out a bill in April, the people have not, for rates, people, or council tax, the people have not appealed, but because it's either a hanger, and I believe the main problem on this was the diamond hanger, because they appealed, all the other hangers and all the other um, hotels, despite them not having appealed, you've assumed that they will appeal and that they will be successful. In very simple terms, probably yes, because an appeal can go back to the actual rating list that was appealed. So there's a 2010 rating list, so somebody, there is still a window of opportunity for businesses to appeal right back to that 2010 rating list, and that window has not yet closed, so there is still that risk. And based on the experience that we have had and also that your advisors have had that you employed, that is the way businesses operate. So if they are aware, and this is all public information available on the VA website, so if, if a similar business has appealed and re received a redu significant reduction in their RV as a result of that appeal, in all likelihood, any similar businesses in that area will also appeal. So even where there's a hotel that has only just opened and hasn't appealed, we are still making a provision, therefore, for the possibility of an appeal. Yes, particularly around the airport because I think it was linked to um, I think over-provision of, of rooms, um, so over-provision of accommodation in that area, so that, that was the assumption. Well, I, my, my ob only observation is that this is why we have reserves. It's to be able to take account of unknowns and risks and if we're approach approaching it in a prudent and sensible manner, taking into account professional advice, we're doing the right thing. And uh, Mrs Wartle. I'd just like to add a small point about the, the prudent factor is uh, the way the accounting entries work. Um, there would be end up with a giant um, increase in the general fund reserve because the entries kind of taking it out are in a year's time. So it, the council has been very prudent to um, instigate a business rates reserve so that the though that money has been taken out of the general fund and put in that reserve, yep. so it's not there looking as, it, as if it's available to spend. Indeed, absolutely. Good. All right, well, that's very interesting. Thank you for the update, and I'm, I'm obviously disappointed, or we are collectively disappointed, but nevertheless can recognise why we've done what we have.
Good. Please, okay. continue. That's okay. Um, very quickly, the other risk we identified was the risk we identify in all plans, which is the risk of management override, which is the fact that management are in a unique position and therefore, if they so wished, could potentially post journals, adjust estimates um, and provisions um, to misreport the financial position if there was an incentive for them to do that and the opportunity, which, as we said, because of their unique position, we always assess that there is that risk. And we're not saying there's any indication of, of such activities within Uttlesford. It is a risk we address at all of our clients. We therefore look at journals, as we said, estimates and all of those areas that have a greater degree of manual intervention, so we say. We didn't identify any issues from our audit work in those areas. Um, so I think having, having noted those areas in re relation to the financial statements, what I really want to do is just flag to you um, the value for money assessment, which is on page 17 of the report. Um, we complete this assessment every year. As we said, we're issuing an unqualified um, value for money conclusion in relation to Uttlesford. Um, the two elements we look at are financial resilience and then we also look at arrangements for value for money. Um, we've just drawn your attention to some factors in relation to financial resilience. We're not saying there's an issue with this at Uttlesford. What we are just saying is that this is an area we've given greater focus to in all of our clients. Um, because I think what we recognise is the great um, uncertainty that councils face in relation to future funding and therefore the significant, more significant risk that presents, particularly in the medium term, I think, really, um, where income figures are maybe confirmed for the next couple of years, but after that there's a great degree of uncertainty for councils in terms of like, what sort of external funding sources and levels they'll be receiving. We're very pleased that in Uttlesford, the Council is very clearly aware of those challenges and very clearly aware of the risks around those funding streams, some of which we've listed there in relation to interestingly business rates income, um, but also things like new homes bonus. It can be fairly significant streams of funding, but are not guaranteed um, going forward in the longer term. Um, we've identified in the right-hand side of the page um, some of the, I guess, information that's been reported in the Council's reports around the sort of levels of budget gaps which are, are not as high as some that we see in other councils, and I think it's important to stress that, that the position in Uttlesford, although you still have a challenge, um, is probably maybe more manageable than, than what we see in some, in some other councils. There has been inclusion of the new homes bonus to support the base budget, but I think councils do recognise that risk, um, and because the, the funding hasn't been confirmed post-2016-17, and we are just flagging there that if that was removed, it would result in an additional pressure for the council that you would, you would have to actually bridge in terms of your budget setting process. We do note, however, that the council has very good levels of reserves, um, both the general fund working balance and also earmarked reserves, and under the MTFS, those are um, predicted to stay at the same level over future years, so there, there isn't a sort of planned use of reserves to support the budget, which is something that would concern us if we saw reserves being used to support you know, base spending on services, because that's not a sustainable strategy. You can only use reserves really for one-off spend items. They're not there to support the base budgets. Um, we've also noted, I think here, in relation to sort of council tax um, is another key funding stream for the council. And I think what we just wanted to flag there was that decisions in current year in relation to council tax levels don't just impact on the current year's finances, they have impacts in future years because any sort of decisions to reduce, increase, etc. don't just change the funding source for that year, they change the funding level for the future years as well. So we're just really flagging the fact that the council needs to be remain cognizant to those issues. We are very satisfied at the moment with the Council's plans, um, but the pressures continue and there is a lot of uncertainty, I think, facing all Councils. 
I didn't propose to say any more about the report. We've, we've listed the unadjusted errors to the accounts that we've, we've noted and we're required to report to Mrs. you. Mrs Hanson, sorry to cut in. Mm-hmm. I, I think Councillor Dean wanted to say something okay. to ask a question. Well, I, I thought you were winding up, but uh, you want to wind up? literally about to, so I will finish and then you can ask any questions. Can you um, make a reference when you do that to independence? Because there's something that I have to, auditors' independence, because I, something I have to note as we get to that point. Okay. Um, if I refer you to page 18 of the report then, <laughs> um, we, we note that as, as part of our normal procedures, we assess our independence both at the start of the audit and at the conclusion of our audit. Um, and we can confirm that um, we are satisfied that all members of the engagement team are sufficiently independent um, from the audit and there's no work that we've undertaken that would compromise our independence as your external auditors. May I make just one declaration at this point, which I do every year. I don't think for one moment it it contradicts that statement, but I do need to make a note that my wife has purchased a sheep from Mr Robin Wardle (laughs) the husband of Mrs. Wardle, which has gone into the deep freeze. It was £132.88. Thank Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And the only last thing I was going to say was that the appendices, Appendix 1 and Appendix 2, list the adjustments that have been made to the accounts in Appendix 2 in a little bit more detail. Um, And Appendix 1 basically just lists some of the um, areas that were not adjusted in the accounts. None of those were material and therefore do not impact on our audit opinion, but we do ask you when you approve the letter of representation, which is the next item, um, to confirm that you are satisfied with management's response as to why they haven't made those amendments in relation to those particular items. I wasn't proposing to talk through each of them in detail, but we're very happy, or Joe will be very happy, (laughs) to explain them in any more detail if members would like us to explain what the unadjusted items are or the adjusted ones in any more detail. Thank you very much. Can I bring in Councillor Dean at this point? Yes, thank you. I'd like to refer to page 17 of the document that was being looked at, which which also cross-references in a way to pages, I think, 12 and 13 of the the accounts, which I know we're going to deal with formally later, but these two things are closely connected. Uh, It is a question that I... Uh, broached earlier under the minutes of the last meeting about the brief discussion that had taken place at the last meeting about the level of reserves. Um, the council you know, has, has substantial reserves at the moment. If you, if you look on, there's reference here to them likely to be staying around about £7 million for the next seven years. If you, if you look on page 12, one figure talks about usable reserves of 12.3 million. That was at March this year. And then, of course, one needs to take into account the additional 3.3 million, which is in the housing uh, revenue account. So in total, it's something of the order of 15 million if you take those two together. And I know that they have to be kept separate. Um, One of the things that has concerned me for some time is that uh, there hasn't been to my knowledge, um, a clear rationale for why the the council is holding uh, its reserves at that level. I know that to a large extent they're broken down under various headings, but I'm I'm not sure that they've been justified uh, in terms of why each of those headings uh, is required at that level. Um, I know certain members around the table 
believe that uh, there's a rainy day coming sometime and therefore you've got to keep lots of money in the bank. But I'm, I was actually uh, came across a, an article in the Hertfordshire Mercury quite recently, the 31st of August in fact, and that was referring to East Hearts Council which which has actually admitted that it's in breach of its own policy in terms of the amount of reserves that it currently has. And, and apparently East Hearts Council has a policy, a rule, uh, that they should hold no more than £6.7 million, pounds, uh, and currently they're running at about £8 million. So they're, they're over, over their policy, and I've no idea what the basis for that rule is or that policy, but nevertheless that's what they say. And of course if you consider that East Hearts is a significantly larger council than this, then one could say that, well if they think that uh, £8 million is too much, then for a smaller council like ours, uh, the, the, the figure that we've got, even if you take the £7 million, is, is too much. Now I'm not going to say what the right level is here and now, but what I think that the time, I think that the time is right, and I know that uh, some officers of this council have felt that the time was overdue, uh, was to actually set out uh, on paper, uh, and I guess this would be the Cabinet's responsibility first of all to do that, to actually set out why, uh, what the appropriate level of reserves is, why it is, and, and to justify it so that, so that this council can actually um, be clear with its, with its residents why it's doing it. Because in fact the last uh, sentence of the Hertfordshire Mercury article says that, and this is a quotation from uh, East Hearts Council, it says this money does not belong to us, it belongs to our residents. So I think, I think it's right and proper that we set out and justify to the public whatever figure we d decide is appropriate and, and, and break that down so that there's, so that there's clarity. And, and you know, I know it's easy to say that there's uncertainty in years ahead, but there have always been uncertainties in years ahead and, and clearly they need to be taken into account. Um, but it, it, to me, it's right and proper that we should do a piece of work and we should publish it so that I mean, it was only yesterday I was, I was in, this, um, in, the, in the committee room at a, an appeal and a member of the public came up to me and said, well, why are you sitting on all this money? Uh, I didn't enter into conversation with him, um, but, but nevertheless, that, you know, the public wants to know and I think it's right that we, we tell them by, not tonight, obviously, but in due course in the next few months set that out or before we set the, the budget for 2015-16, I think, is... is the, the right approach. So I'd like to propose that, that, that we, this committee requests that that piece of work is done and in due course we can obviously decide whether it's uh, to our liking or not. Thank you Councillor Dean. Can I bring in Councillor Chambers? Thank you Mr Chairman. Uh, Mr Chairman, uh, Councillor Dean was at a meeting of the Cabinet the other evening and over the last seven years, we have been very prudent with our finances. And Councillor Dean laughed at me and said, you're always talking about money for a rainy day. I will reiterate what I said then. During the years of 2003 to 2007, not this administration, but a Liberal Democrat administration, 
got this council into such a fix that it was, as far as councils are concerned, as near bankruptcy as it could get. It was within three weeks or two weeks of intervention by the government. Now, as far as I'm concerned, this is the public's money. The public's money needs to be used in a prudent fashion so that should circumstances become very difficult, it doesn't mean to say that we would have to burden the taxpayers with high increases in council tax or indeed to reduce the services. Now he's been talking about this evening uh, about East Hearts. East Hearts is not Uttlesford District Council. Uttlesford District Council, and I'm proud to say it, is one of the best-run financial councils in the country. I'm not going to ask you, to, uh, Hanson, to reply to that, but it is an extremely good position at the moment. But what I would say to Councillor Dean is, if he likes to look through the accounts, every penny that we have in the reserves is accounted for. I will give him a list of all the reserves that we have and why we have them. But I don't think, Mr Chairman, that he has looked sufficiently well enough within the accounts because it is all there in black and white. When Mr Joyce was here, and it's now being carried on by Mr Webb, every detail of the finances was put before the Council and it has got better and better each year. There is a much better understanding of district council's finances than there has ever been. Now if you actually look in uh, what is being discussed with the audit this evening, if you look on page 17 of the executive summary, it says, and I quote, although the council is currently in a sound financial position, members need to be aware of the future financial pressures the council is facing. In particular, they need to consider carefully the impact of any decisions regarding council tax levels or the use of reserves to support the council's finances. On the ongoing sustainability of the council's financial position and its ability to maintain service levels in future years. That is, this has been and will continue to be, I hope, the sound policy of this council that we have reserves here should we need to overcome any particular problem. That is why, Mr Chairman, this year, with advice, we have put in over £2.5 million on a ring-fenced reserve to ensure that if we do have a problem with, domestic, with rates, then we will have the money there to pay for it. Lots of councils can't afford to do that, unfortunately. We are in a position where we can. So all I would say to Councillor Dean is, is that our financial strategy is very sound. Our officers work extremely hard. They should not be taking uh, time to produce something that if you looked at carefully, you would see within our accounts. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. As Chairman of this committee, can I endorse the comments that you've made? Um, 
it's quite clear from the report from Ernst & Young that they recognise, as do councillors around this room and officers, that Uttlesford faces significant financial challenges over the next four years. It's quite clear, and Ernst & Young identify this in their report, that external funding sources are reducing, are subject to change and uncertainty in future years. All of our principal sources of funding are under considerable pressure going forward. Now, Councillor Dean takes a somewhat relaxed view as to this and takes the view that, well, bad weather may be around the corner, but not quite yet. But I, I personally see no indication that our finances are going to improve, or rather the central government's finances are going to improve in the foreseeable future, and we can expect them to increase funding of local, local authorities. We, we quote a figure of 12.3 million. We have spent half an hour debating the fact that 4.4 million of that is ring-fenced for business rates appeals and cannot be touched. So we are talking already about one-third of this money, which is ring-fenced for a purpose, and including it in the figure as though we can simply spend it because there won't be a rainy day is frankly irresponsible and quite inappropriate for, it, for the Audit Committee to be, even be considering. We debated reserves at our last meeting. I think that we gave it a good airing on that occasion. I'm not prepared or happy to have a further debate on this. I think it was the view of the committee last time we met that reserves were appropriate. You've made a proposal. I have not heard it seconded. And so on that basis, we will proceed. Thank I'd you. Like I may, because I've been uh, attacked by, by two of you. I'd, I entirely agree with the sentiments in the auditor's report, but the auditors do not say that a particular figure is appropriate. It's for this council to say what, the, what figure is appropriate. Uh, I agree that some of the, uh, the, the figures in the accounts are ring-fenced, to put it that way. Of course they are, but what I'm saying is that of the bit that is not ring-fenced and is therefore uh, optional in terms of how, how high it is kept, that there should be some explanation, rational explanation at the moment. Councillor Chambers says that every penny in the accounts is accounted for. That's not really correct. There are figures in the accounts with, num with names against them, with titles against them, but there's no explanation behind that as to why that is the appropriate figure. And all I'm saying is that, that in order to satisfy the public out there that we're not simply putting money in the bank that they should be either have back or should be seeing put to use that we justify it and uh, if you're not prepared to do that well I, I, I'm just disappointed. Can I note for the purposes of the minutes that the accounts make very clear that we justify every single item in the reserves against a, a headlined and identified purpose of reserve for the minutes, can we please note that on page 12, it is clearly identified. You can see the transfers into reserves, the transfers out, the balances at the 31st of March 2014, and the items against which it is reserved against. Thank you very much. Should we move on, please? Um, I had a comment on page 18, um, which was a very small comment, but I note that there's an asterisk against your audit fees and the comment that an additional fee may be required in relation to the extra work on the revaluation reserve and the CAA adjustment. And you propose to discuss this with management once the audit is complete. It's certainly my view that this should form part of the audit work that EY undertakes. And I would be surprised 
that you would want to charge an additional fee for something that I consider to be within that broad heading. I make that note. And with that, uh, if there weren't any other comments, can I, can I thank uh, Debbie Hanson and, and, and Joe Wardle for coming along. Thank you also for all your hard work and the team have put in. I will have the opportunity to, to thank our team under, under item 5, but I do know that you've put a, an, an enormous amount of hard work in over the last six, eight months, and thank you very much on behalf of the committee and all its members. So thank you. Could I just say, uh, uh, as a Cabinet member, uh, to thank the external auditors extremely uh, for all their help and assistance. If you can sort out problems, and there all, are always problems, if you can sort them out amicably to, to the uh, advantage of the general public and indeed to the Council, then we are very grateful. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. That takes us on to item five. This is uh, an item for decision. Uh, it's John, can I just ask? Uh, of course, Councillor Oliver. Sorry. For uh, purposes of people listening, water's just gone now. Knock some water over, but it won't take us a minute. <laughs> can I just ask, is, uh, is, are the auditors happy with, the, with page 16? Thank you. Um, we, that is a, a typo error which we actually picked up on another site. We, we, um, Colchester is not the um, recipient of this report um, because it's in the header of the page. Unfortunately, we missed doing that when we did our review. Um, what I do is I draft a report initially and then I use that as a starting point for all of the other reports that I draft. So apologies, that should not say Colchester, it, should be, it, should be, it clearly should say Uttlesford, so apologies. We didn't take a great deal of offence. <laughs> But the, I can ensure you the content of the report is definitely Uttlesford. <laughs> That's reassuring, isn't it? <laughs> can we move on then to item five? This is an item for decision. And can I invite um, Mr Webb, Adrian Webb, to speak to this before we come to the recommendation? Thank you, Chairman. Uh, from the officers as well, we'd like to thank Debbie, Joe and Joe's team on the way that the audit was carried out and the fact that we've achieved everything ready for tonight. This report asks you to approve the statement of accounts for 13-14 and also to approve the letter of representation which is attached to the report. It does mention in here that you had the accounts last Friday, the 19th of September, and there may be some changes. In front of you is a document of four sides which sets out some further minor changes that have been made. They are minor, have no bottom line effect, um, mainly presentational. The letter of representation, as Debbie said, contains the on page 28, section 6, part 6, the list of errors that were not changed in the accounts because they were not material. There are four of them. The HRA properties, as you can see, um, the, to the value of 612,000. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our valuers provided us with a valuation list and it was not spotted that um, some properties that had been disposed of were still on the list. So that's the reason for that. The pension assets were incorrectly calculated in the actuaries report. Uh, which we used and they notified us in the middle of July that they'd made an error and said they'd be reissuing 
Uh, by the time they t reissued, we took the opinion that 250,000, along with the auditors, that it was not material and we should not make changes in this year's accounts. The collection fund, uh, we're going to look to try and establish the source of this historical balance uh, so that it is not there in the 14-15 accounts. Um, we are still working our way through that one. And as it says there, we use the SIP for cash flow model, as recommended, to do the cash flow statement. Even after putting in all of the figures, we still ended up with a £112,000 difference. Um, we've used external consultants to try and get to the bottom of it, but so far we haven't. We will continue to work on that. Those four items, as Debbie said, need to be in the letter of representation. Uh, I wasn't planning on going through the accounts in any detail at all. I thought we would just answer any questions people have. Um, so I'm happy to open the floor. Do councillors wish to comment, ask questions on the accounts? Councillor Dean. I have a question on uh, page 13. Why has the housing revenue balance gone up from 2.9 million to almost 3.4 million pounds at a time when uh, the, the need for new housing etc is, is critical. Why, are we, why is the amount in reserve going up? Well, we, well I mean clearly why it's gone up there are two items in the transfers in column which add up to the reasons it's gone up. Um, the sheltered housing reserve is the, uh, I, think, I believe that's the surplus at the end of the year, 13-14, which it was agreed with Cabinet would go into the sheltered housing reserve for future improvements at sheltered housing. And the 91 is funding for future capital expenditure, as it says in the table. So... As far as development, house, further housing development, unfortunately, um, that's not my area, and Mr. Harbour isn't here either, so we would have to take that away for you, Councillor Dean. Okay, well, I'll, I mean, I'll raise this at the next uh, housing board meeting. I know there is some concern that the, um, the housing department isn't using its resources as uh, quickly as it might in order to deliver more affordable housing and this may be one reflection of that. And I, think I, th I think if I can, I think it's about making sure that you move at a pace where you can do the developments correctly rather than trying to do too much too soon. No, I realise that and, and so it is a case of uh, yeah, the, the, the capacity of the organisation to deliver which, which uh, is t obviously tied in with the amount of money you can use or not use as the case may be which seems to be uh, not being used at the moment. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Dean. Chairman, it says to finance capital redevelopment of sheltered houses in 50 years. Surely this is a case of the, 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 cap, the properties that are going to be redeveloped have been identified and that money has been put aside to make sure that those properties are developed. If we did not have that money there, in a year or two time when this, these properties came to be developed, redeveloped, the money they could not be done because there was no reserve, no money available so to do. No, but if we did them now or last year, then uh, they'd, they'd already be in occupation. That's the point. With the, with the greatest respect to Councillor... Anyway, I don't I, want to pursue I, this any further now. Indeed, <laughs> I would prefer we didn't because the purpose of this committee as audit committee is to review 
the statement of accounts from 2013-14 to satisfy ourselves that they have been properly prepared, that they have been yeah. audited and are in a fit and proper state for us to approve Correct. as a fair reflection of the affairs, the financial affairs of this council. It is not for us to identify each line and drill down trying to understand the movements across from one transfers in and transfers out. I'm not expressing this particularly well, but it nevertheless is not the case that we need to debate every line. It's the principle that we're debating, whether the committee is able to approve the letter of representation as attached to this report and to approve the audited statement of accounts as, as presented. I'm satisfied, having debated this, but I do need a proposal from other councillors that we can do this. So the recommendation is that we approve the letter of representation and we approve the audited statement of accounts for 2013-14 as presented with this report. It is an item for decision and I'd be very grateful if somebody could propose it and someone else could second it. Chairman, I'm very happy to propose it. Thank you very much. Does that have the approval and consent of all councillors? Do we wish to discuss it further? No. Can we put our hands up? Thank you very much. That is unanimous. Thank you. I think I have to get my pen out, don't I? Yes, Chairman. It's now the, the formal part of the signing by yourself, the Chief Executive and the Ernst & Young Director. Before we leave this item, can I express the committee's thanks to, to Mr. Webb, to Angela Knight and for your team, Angela, in the Finance Department for all the hard work that they've put into this. I know that this meeting comes at the end of eight, nine months of extremely hard work. You have a, an excellent team who work remarkably hard and well for us as a, as a council. And on behalf of the committee, can I express the committee's thanks? Councillor Dean. Can I add to that that we uh, thank Mr. Stephen Joyce, who is no longer here, for the part that he played earlier in the year. Indeed. Very, very much echoed. Thank you very much. Do we have this item completed? No last-minute amendments. It's too late. They're rewriting it. <laughs> we'll wait for a moment before we move on to item six. Are we Okay. Okay, I'm very happy to sign the letter of representation as well, if, if that's how you'd prefer to, to do that. Can we then move on then to item six? This is an item for information. It's the internal audit progress report for the period from the 12th of July to the 12th of September 2014. 
And uh, can I invite Sheila Bronson, the Internal Audit Manager, to speak to this? Mrs Bronson. Um, thank you, Chairman. This is my regular update report to committee. It's just outlining the work of the Internal Audit team since I reported last uh, to the 22nd of July meeting of the committee. Um, there's not really very much to report. It's only a couple of months' worth, really, because we've had holidays in, in that time as well. But I'm happy to take any queries or questions from, from members. Were there any questions or comments from members of the committee? Can I thank you then for the report? It is noted. And may we then move on to item 7. This is the quarter one performance for 2014-15. And Mr Richard Orty, the Assistant Director of Corporate Services, will speak to this, please. Thank you, Chairman. Um, yes, this is the, uh, the performance information for all quarterly collected indicators for the period from the uh, 1st of April, so um, you are receiving it somewhat later than you would do normally in that we're almost at the end of quarter two, but due to the fact that we changed the meeting time. For the previous meeting, there wasn't sufficient time to prepare it to bring it to you. Um, performance on the key performance <coughs> indicators generally is good this quarter. There are three indicators that are in the red, uh, which are detailed in the front part of the report. Um, there are several indicators where performance has either improved since the last quarter or improved on the equivalent quarter um, from last year, including uh, the NNDR collection, um, housing benefit and council tax benefit claim processing accuracy, uh, council tax collection, uh, planning application processing for majors, uh, well majors, minors and others in fact, and also rent collection is performing strongly at the moment. I'm happy to take any questions. Mr. Orty, thank you very much. Did councillors have comments or questions or remarks? Councillor Dean. Yes, I would like to ask about um, KP15. This, I've not been on the committee for uh, a year or so, but uh, this subject was round when I was last on the committee, the question of Miss Bins. It's still here, so there's clearly a, an underlying and chronic problem um, and, and I note that you know, there are references to the high percentage use of contractors and that some of that is explained by sickness um, but, but uh, I, I, I just wonder whether there's some underlying other underlying problem that, that we can't get to grips with um, and I notice that also you know there's what shall we say uh, some attributed to people putting out their bins late but nevertheless still uh, complaining. I don't know whether that's significant or not. Um, but it, it strikes me that it ought not to be continuing like this. And, uh, and, and there's, there's one question that I've got because I, I, I did have some correspondence with uh, Councillor Barker after the July Council meeting when, Mr Chairman, you remember I, I raised this question. Um, it's really whether... Are we, are we dependent on staff who are, I don't know, who take days off without notice, uh, without, without justification? And is there, a, you know, is there a, an employment issue here, you know, lack of commitment? I, I just can't, I'm just looking for underlying problems that, uh, that, that maybe there are, there are significant, there are, there are major things that need to be done to get to grips with it. 
Well, before I bring in Mr Orty, you will know, because you were previously on this committee, and you rightly point out this is a subject that has concerned this committee. Um, it's an issue that I reported to to full council in my report to, to full council three months ago. Yep. Um, and it's an issue that has continued to concern this committee. We have invited members of the management team to set out the reasons why they believe that there are problems and the actions that they are putting in place to address it. And clearly, and I, I think we, we can all see the evidence in front of us, those, those measures have not um, delivered the results that they hoped would deliver. But I, like you... Um, do want to see this performance measurement improve. Um, and I would very much welcome um, an update from officers setting out and confirming the actions that they intend to put in place that will reassure this committee that this issue will be addressed successfully. Thank you, Chairman. Um, obviously, we don't have anybody from uh, the Street Services Department here tonight, um, but I will do what I can to some light on some of the questions that have been asked. Um, in terms of Councillor Dean's question around the significance of, for example, people putting out the wrong bins, if you look at the result for quarter three of 2013-14, that was the quarter in which significant management time was put into analysing every missed bin report. Um, and weeding out the ones that weren't genuine missed bins. And as you'll see, that result, although still you know, slightly away from target, uh, was significantly better than other ones. Now, due to other management pressures, I understand that they've not had um, the, the time to be able to do that process in the subsequent two quarters. So um, I think you can see from the quarter three figure that there is some impact, um, some impact on the uh, indicator because of that issue. Um, in terms of um, uh, staff sickness and um, the uh, use of agency staff, um, I believe that is um, certainly a contributory factor. Um, we do have um, an HR professional within the organisation who works closely with street services on all sickness management issues uh, and I believe work is continuing in street services to uh, bring down down that level of sickness. Um, there's also work uh, underway in terms of restructuring the uh, street services department as well, um, which hopefully will bring benefit in due course. I'm not sure I can go any further than that, I'm afraid, um, but if there's any further questions, I'm sure Mr Harper would be happy to attend at the next meeting. Thank you, Mr Orty. Can I bring in Councillor Eden? Uh, thank you, well, I, I'd like to look at this a different way. I've just done the calculation. Tell me if I'm wrong, but we're saying we visit 1.6 million homes in a year, mm -hmm. 32,000 times 52. And in less than 4,000 of those 1.6 million, we miss a bin, which is 0.01%. Tell me any other field of human activity where you do better than that. I mean, compare that to trains being on time or the post office delivering on time or heart surgeons getting it right. I mean, it just strikes me, are we actually setting ourselves a, a task that is not realistic? Because if we made the number 100, they'd all be green. So I'm just, I'm just querying whether we're being just a little bit too aggressive in our belief that we can have an entire team of people motivated, hardworking, every day of the week that we are out there for a year, 
I mean, it just strikes me. I just think we might be possibly uh, trying to reach for the moon. It's an interesting contribution. Thank you very much. Were there any comments from any other councillors? Councillor Arsene. I had my calculator out as well, and it works out at 70 missed bins a week, I think, which is unfortunate, but it's not a huge amount. And there is a balance as to the sort of management and other time, the cost of that is put in. Uh, to, to trying to get the uh, indicator down as opposed to actually the, the, the resources that could be better spent actually uh, collecting the... Uh, I, I, the I hear the comments. I, I, I don't, if I'm honest, share the, that view. I do believe that this is an appropriate performance indicator and one which we should be striving to achieve. And I have some sympathy with the comments that, that Councillor Dean has raised. This is an issue that this committee has discussed at great length over many months. Could officers kindly note that this is an issue that we are looking to see an improvement on, recognising the performance in Q3 of 1314 indicated that with close management attention there was an improvement, recognising also that we've talked about the installation of in-cab technology to identify whether there are genuinely missed bins or not, and also working, as we rightly hear, say, about um, removing or reducing the levels of sickness. These are all measures that, that we hope will see a, a positive outcome. But this is an issue which will come back to our committee next quarter. Um, it's not going to go away, and, and I hope that we will see an improvement. And maybe leave it at that. No, there's one Cancel. useful comment. Possibly useful comment, just to pick up Councillor Eden's point, maybe we need some information on benchmarking this council with others and then we can at least see whether we're outliers or whether we're uh, better than others, who knows? Um, yeah, just on that point, there's actually very few councils certainly around our area that measure this indicator. We've tried to do benchmarking on this before and since the since the, um, the, the, the national um, indicator set was abolished um, many councils have taken the decision uh, n not to not to measure and report this anymore. Um, I think there's probably more councils that uh, measure and report the time in which missed bins are returned to be collected than actually measure the core number of missed bins. Uh, nonetheless, I'm happy to go away and try and see what, uh, what what other councils are measuring, although I recall trying to do this a year or two ago and not having much success, but I'm happy to go away. And just on the subject of um, improvement, um, there have been, I think, um, a continuation of, of, of sickness issues in uh, over the summer, so... I think it's more likely that we'll start to see an improvement from quarter three onwards than in quarter two based on the July and August figures that I've seen. I think this subject's had a good airing, but I'm never one to leave the bone alone. So all I would say is that for four and a half years I did work in this industry, and despite what I've said about striving to improve on it, in my own professional experience, the figures we achieve here at Uttlesford are extremely good compared to a company that I knew extremely well and had contracts across the, across the UK and did not achieve these collection rates or um, miss bin rates. So, so we, we, we do need to remind ourselves that while we strive for the skies, we, we are still performing extremely well. Shall we move on? Were there any other items under KPIs or PIs? Councillor Dean, please. Yes, I have one more. PI 
35 on page 47, which is the measure of um, tons of garden waste collected from the curbside. That's on page 47. Um, I mean, this, this seems to be read all the time, and I guess the question arises, you know, is the, are the aspirations too high, or is the service not a success? Um, because I think, it, I think something needs to be thought through there. Thank you. Um, as it says in the comment, the number of subscribers is up 20% from um, the equivalent quarter last year. So um, there are more people subscribing to the service than before. It's just that they are um, putting less in their bins. And I think that may be to do with the weather we've had um, more than anything else. Um, I think when this indicator was set up, it was because it was not a service that we provided before, it was a slightly unknown quantity as to you know, how much um, garden waste would be collected. So it is perhaps the case that the uh, indicator targets have been set too high, and we'll take that away and have a look at it for, for next year. Councillor Eden. Um, I don't know what the correlation is between annual rainfall and the degree of increased foliage in gardens, but I have to think there's a correlation here that we've had an exceptionally dry summer and therefore there's less to cut back. And certainly that's the experience in one house in Saffron Morden where I observe these activities taking place on a regular basis. Indeed. Councillor Artis, did you, you, you've observed them. You haven't done the mowing yourself, you mean? Absolutely not. <laughs> OK, Councillor Artis. Uh, two things. First of all, I'd just like to say that I've actually ordered a second bin. So Good. I, uh, You're one of the 20%? Absolutely. Uh, but I was just wondering whether tonnage or cubic meterage was a better, better measure. I don't think I'm the right person to answer that, to be honest, Councillor Artis. Um, I don't know. Yeah. We, we, we also do need to remind ourselves that this is an, a service that we've chosen to offer, and we charge residents who wish to use it. Um, and the intention, of course, is that charging them a fine a rate which ensures that this does not cost the council means that the actual performance targets and the amounts are, are make, a, make an important contribution to the level and, and amount that we recycle, which is why we do it, but it does not necessarily mean that we, we have to worry too much about the actual tonnage. Can I just ask, Chairman, is it in fact covering its costs? at this level? Well, that's an issue you'd have to take up with the scrutiny committee, I think, rather than this committee. I'm right, well, sure. I mean, I'll ask for that well, information to be fed back by officers in the performance due court the after performance outside the meeting. But that, that most definitely is an issue for another, for another committee. Good. Were there any other performance indicators that we wish to discuss? In which case, can we move on then to item 8, which is the Corporate Risk Register for 2014-15. Item 8, it's an item for information. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the Corporate Risk Register is um, based around the, what management considers to be the key risks in delivering the key aims of the Corporate Plan. Um, the Register was approved at full council along with the Corporate Plan in February and is presented here for the first time tonight. Did members have any comments on the contents? Anything they wanted to raise? Councillor Dean. Yes. On um, page 51, there's a uh, reference to the 
LSP and the, the wording there seems to suggest that the risk is of partners not fulfilling their um, part in this, in this exercise in the local strategic partnership. Um, I do know from talking to various people that some members of LSP groups think that the council isn't fulfilling its part in, in, in supporting them. So I'm just trying to get my head around as to what, what this is trying to drive at and whether there is an understanding that, that a, you know, a partnership is a two-way thing, uh, that, the, that, community, that so, there are some agencies which support the work of the council. Equally well, there are uh, members of the public who participate and... Uh, they can only do that if the council supports them and I, I, I do believe that there's a feeling of disconnect in some places so I don't want to go get answers to that but I, I, I'd, I'd really like to understand where the risk lies and, and that it might not be just one-sided. Can I bring Mr Mitchell in? Thank you Chairman. Um, the risk here is the extent to which people contribute to the LSP. It is hosted by the Council, but it is not a partnership of the Council. We put a great deal of resource into this in terms of officer time, we provide the premises, we arrange the meetings, we provide the Secretariat. We used to get a lot of financial support from other partners, including the County Council. Um, we now get a very small amount of money from the um, Health Service, and we get some support from the fire service and the police on the community safety partnership, as we should, which is part of the LSP. But fundamentally, this risk is that other parties who, who benefit from the LSP don't actually make a financial contribution. I do not accept that the council does not make a reasonable contribution to the LSP. The real issue that the council might need to consider about the LSP is the extent to which it informs any decisions of this council whatsoever. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much. Good. Were there any other items relating to the Corporate and Strategic Risk Register that we want to deal with or touch upon? Yes. Councillor Artis. Um, could, you, could you just explain uh, on page 52, um, 14 CR05, which is contracts with third parties? Is there, is there something that's known? Uh, Chairman, we would need to discuss that in part two in detail which I'm happy to do if, if other members wish to, to debate that, um, but I'm content that it has been debated uh, at other meetings and doesn't need to be debated here. The risk register is about identifying the risks and what issues we take to mitigate those risks and actions that we take and, having, and satisfying ourselves that those are appropriate. It's not necessary to identify and discuss in detail the under underlying risks themselves. Fine. Good. Well, in which case, I think that concludes item 8. Moving on to item 9, I very, very rarely take items which I consider to be urgent, but I consider reminding you of the training session on Thursday the 16th of October at 7pm here at the Ucklesford offices as being extremely urgent and important that all members attend an agenda will be circulated in advance. For the purposes of those people who have listened through the rest of the, the previous part of this meeting, I will sign the letter of representation immediately after the close of this meeting. 
Uh, with that, I'd like to thank members, officers, external guests for attending. Thank you very much indeed. Safe journey home.